0: All right, today we come to Revelation chapter 4. This is the start of the second uh, of four visions, the destiny of the world and the unfolding of world history towards its consummation under the governance of the triune God in light of his purpose. So, Revelation chapter 4 is a new start or a new section in this book. Remember chapter 1 through 3, we saw Christ and the church. How does Christ reveal and apply himself to the church to make those seven churches in their messy condition come up to the standard of their uh, of God's spiritual intention for them to be seven golden lampstands shining on this dark earth. Okay, so chapter four begins the section on prophecy, future orientation. And before we start to get into all the details, chapter four and five zooms out to give us a very encouraging and awesome vision of God's throne. So we are entering the throne room of the triune God in chapter four. And then chapter five, don't miss tomorrow. Christ, the son of man, Jesus Christ will enter that scene and take up his seat on that throne and begin to execute the will of God. So chapter four, though, is in a sense, a vision spanning all the way back from eternity past right up until the moment of Christ's ascension. So, we are getting a glimpse of, in a sense, you could say the steady state of God's heavenly throne room. What is it like in heaven around God's throne from the beginning of, you know, in a sense, creation of angels, even before the world, all the way up, right up into the point of Christ's redemption and ascension as the Son of Man? What does it look like? What is that heavenly scene? What is it? Well, that's what chapter 4 shows us. And it's important that this chapter precedes this long section, the main section from chapter really 4 through 20 with 17, 18, 19, 20 as a kind of a uh, parenthesis on Babylon. But what is the destiny of the world? Um, what does this vision of the destiny of the world start with? It starts with a vision of God's supreme authority and rule and uh, um Uh, omnipotence and power and control of the situation, God's sovereign operation and administration in light of his purpose. So when we're in the throes of human history, sometimes we wonder, is God here? Where is God in the pandemic? Where is God in this and that? Well, God is on the throne. And that's what chapter four shows us. And we need to be able to see through whatever current uh, world upheaval situation we may find ourselves in, We need to see through those dark clouds, pierce through above them to find the pure praising scene around the throne of God. So no matter what happens in our life or in human history, the throne does not change. And the throne of God is really the center of God's administration. So this book, this chapter mentions the throne again and again and again, 12 times. So that's where we're starting out in this chapter. And as we get into this chapter, I just want to make three simple points to help us Get a, get a handle on this chapter. Let's look at the throne, the will, and the spirits. Okay, the throne, the will, and the spirits. Notice plural. We'll we'll talk about that. This is going to be in verse two, verse eleven, and verse five. So we want to see the connection between these three points in this chapter: the throne of God, the will of God, and the seven spirits of God. Okay, this chapter is obviously centered on the throne. If you read carefully, you will notice preposition. Uh, after preposition, introducing the throne. I, I counted 12 times, upon the throne, around the throne, out of the throne, before the throne, in the midst of the throne. So this chapter is about the throne. And what it shows us is there is one sitting on the throne in this universe. And he is depicted as a Jasper Sardius stone in appearance. That's going to be important because when we get to Revelation 21, we will find the New Jerusalem described as being both Jasper and And sardius in appearance, so that's green and red precious stone, a gem. And what this is saying is, is you know, why is why does Revelation portray God as a gemstone, as a green and red jasper sardius gemstone? Obviously, this is a sign, like Revelation one one said, the book is revealed through signs. So this is symbols with spiritual significance. So what this points to is, on the throne is a God of life and a God of redemption. A glorious, redeeming God who shares his life with his creatures. That's the that's the significance of this picture of God. And the fact that the new Jerusalem bears the color of jasper and sardius stone indicates God is administrating the universe in light of his sovereign will to produce the new Jerusalem as the glorious expression of God and life founded On Christ's redemption, so awesome, so good. So that's what we need to see. All of human history is happening under the sovereign will of a glorious redeeming God who intends to share His life with His people. Now, the very last verse, verse eleven, says that God is receiving unceasing praise. So, what is what is the throne room of God in heaven like from eternity past to eternity future? It's full of praise. Heaven sings the the worthiness of God in relation to his will. And this verse says, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive the glory, the honor, and the power. For you have created all things, and because of your will, they were and were created. So this is a great verse that tells us why all things exist. They exist because of God's will. So creation can only make sense in light of God's prior will. Creation as a Theater, a setting on which God uh, enacts the play of redemption and salvation, which are according to His will. Okay, well, what is God's will? In light of this book, we've already seen God's will is Christ and the Church that will end up as the New Jerusalem. And when we end the book, we find that throne of God is no longer in heaven. It is dwelling in the center of the city, New Jerusalem. And this shows us that God's will is to dwell with his people, to move out of just the loftiness of the heavens, and to take up residence in the midst of his people in oneness with them. And so we will end up with Christ in the church, God dwelling among men, and the Spirit in the bride. So God's will is to build the church as his eternal habitation, to marry the church as his bride, to be expressed in the church. As a living city teeming with divine human life. It's awesome. Lastly, verse 5 before the throne are seven lamps of fire uh, burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So, seven spirits of God should catch your eye. This is the unique spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, in his intensified status and state for the application of God's full salvation to his people to overcome any sort of uh, sinful resistance and darkened rebellion that they may find themselves in throughout world history. So the spirits of God is the means for God to apply his will in the center of his administration for his eternal purpose. So if we want to be in the will, we need to enjoy the spirit. The seven spirits is God's powerful spirit to overcome any resistance in our life. So whenever we see uh, sin, rebellion, whenever we're discouraged with how we're doing, that should be a reminder that before the throne, right in front of God's administration are the spirits. And those spirits are sent forth to accomplish God's will in our life. Okay. So this is just a little glimpse of chapter four setting us up for this major section of the book. What we see is before we get into the, the storm of history and the, uh, the ups and downs, we need a clear vision. There is one on the throne and he is faithful and he is sovereign and he is uh, purposeful and he will not be defeated. And he's being praised for the worthiness that he deserves in light of his creation and his uh, intention exhibited in his will. And the spirit is there to apply it to us, to make it real. So let's go into this middle section With this vision of the throne room of God, the will of God, and the spirits of God carrying out that divine intention.